You're listening to The Kin Podcast, episode 26. Thanks for tuning in. Today I'm going to tell you about a topic that I've been thinking about since I watched a documentary a few weeks ago. That documentary is one on Mr. Fred Rogers. You might have watched him on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when you were a kid. I know I watched a ton of that. Anyway, the documentary is on his life. And it's called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And at the end of it, it had me in tears. But not for the reasons you might think. It made me really consider the topic of being enough. Being enough just as we are. And it got me thinking about my role as a mother and my role as a person. How does that topic of enough, being enough just as we are, play into my life? And am I doing a good job of not only embodying it for my kids and also teaching them that they're enough just as they are? I'm telling you, I was in tears. So today I want to talk about this topic of enough and share with you my thoughts. Because homie, if there's something that I know, it's that we are always striving for something else. Always striving to improve, always striving to learn something new, always working towards something else. So I want to explore this topic. Was Mr. Rogers right? Are we enough just as we are? Let's find out. What do you say? Let's do this. You're listening to The Kin Show, where we explore the intricacies of the human heart, faith, relationships, spirituality, parenthood, and more. Celebrating our journeys as seekers. We believe in love, in giving more of it to every person we interact with and to ourselves. We believe in living with intention for our children, for our communities, and most importantly, for ourselves. We believe we are all one family, one kin kindred spirits loved unconditionally by God. And we believe it's more important to actually know God than to just know about God. Seeker, writer, photographer, your host Marcella Chamorro shares perhaps way too many personal stories and asks you the right questions to help you uncover what's best for your life. This is not our practice life, so let's make the most of it. Are you ready to hear inspiring interviews and coffee table chats with Marcella? Grab a cup of coffee and prepare to transform your definition of your dream life. Here's your host, boy band lover and master of deep conversations, Marcella Chamorro. All right, so today is episode 26 of the podcast. And like I said, I'm going to tell you about this documentary that I watched about Fred Rogers. And I had been wanting to watch it for a long time. It's called Would You Be My Neighbor? And I finally got the chance to watch it on this family vacation, right? Because vacations are when you relax and you have time. The kids are sleeping. It's all good. There's nothing to be done. There's no dishes to wash and toys to clean up and whatever, right? So I got a chance to watch Would You Be My Neighbor in relative silence because Juan Jose kind of joined me halfway through, but he was really interested in the fact that during the documentary, they talk about how uh, Fred Rogers the star of the show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he created Daniel Tiger. He was one of the puppets on his show. And so Juan Jose watches Daniel Tiger, as a lot of children do these days. It's an amazing show. I am a huge fan, just like I was a huge fan of, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's made by the same company. And so he was really into Daniel Tiger. So he kind of let me watch in peace. And 
it was so interesting to watch the story of a man who was described by his very own son on the documentary as something similar to like the second Christ, right? Because as a person, Fred Rogers was so loving, so accepting, um, so incredibly kind. And it was fascinating to watch this documentary because like I said, I watched this show as a child, but I was a child and I didn't realize the topics that he was talking about. I was too young. You know, I don't remember much of it, just the images. And through the documentary, I learned that, you know, he really pushed the boundaries of what everyone considered normal or appropriate on the show whenever he thought it was right and the more loving thing to do. You know, so most TV shows, especially children's shows, were fast-paced. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was incredibly slow-paced. Watching him put on his sweater in, like, real time. A lot of TV shows cannot do with silence. They're more for, like, dramatic effect. They're all, especially kids' shows, really loud and dramatic and everything's, you know, explosions everywhere and colors and songs. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was relatively silent. There were long periods of silence. And yet children loved it. Then again, you know, the topics that he attacked on this show were hefty, to say the least. There's an episode on death where a fish dies in its tank and he buries it in the backyard and he invites the children who are watching the show to follow along, right, in his process of burying the fish. Now, there's another episode where he is soaking his feet in water in the backyard because it's so hot out. And this was, you know, when racial tensions were high. And he invites a black man to share the tiny little pool with him where he was soaking his feet and come and soak his feet alongside him. These were topics that were really, really strong and heavy for the time. And yet, you know, he was so loving in that he was fearless in the most quiet and unassuming kind of way. He did what was right in a very loving way, but strong. It was so moving to see that he didn't need to scream. He didn't need to raise his voice. He didn't need to be even energetic, really, to get his point across and to say strong things and talk about really strong topics, and for them to resonate. He was captivating to children because he was so loving and kind, and he was such a good listener. You know, there's a whole part of the documentary where they talk about how he would kind of like visit kids, or, you know, there'd be a group of children, and he would go and see them in person, and how they were just fascinated and captivated by him. And yet he wasn't doing much, but he truly listened to them. And when he would talk to them, he would get down on their level and really listen to what they were saying. And he, you know, he wouldn't berate them and he wouldn't be mean to them. He wouldn't laugh at them. He treated them like equals. And he truly got down on their level. And, but all of that wasn't what made me cry. All of that wasn't what moved me the most. It was moving, of course, but there was one thing in this documentary that, like I like to say, blew my mind. And it's a song that Fred Rogers sang during his episodes 
And it's called It's You I Like. And I'm going to read the lyrics to you here. And I'm not going to sing it to you. You're welcome for that. <laughs> but I am going to read you the lyrics. The song is called It's You I Like. He wrote it in 1971, the interwebs tells me. And it goes like this. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you. Not your toys. They're just beside you. But it's you I like. Every part of you. Your skin, your eyes, your feelings. Whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember. Even when you're feeling blue. That it's you I like. It's you yourself. It's you. It's you I like. First of all, isn't that beautiful? It's absolutely beautiful, right? And when the documentary ended, I turned the TV off. I turned the lights off. The room was pitch black. And in the darkness of that swaying ship, because I was on a cruise ship at the time, and it was rocking that night, I cried like, and I don't even want to say I cried like a baby. I cried like a child. And I cried for two reasons. First, because I thought that maybe I'm not doing a good enough job of accepting and loving my children just as they are. Am I shaming them, I wondered, when I get aggravated or angry at something they've done? Am I disciplining them with enough love to communicate what's not okay, but that they're still okay? And I just kept wondering if I was failing. And I thought of my husband. Have I treated him like I love him just the way he is? You know, whenever I ask for a change in his behavior or when I get angry about something that was left undone, I cried at the thought of not delivering that experience of being loved and liked and accepted just the way they are to my two sons and my husband. And secondly, I cried for myself. I cried for all the times I was made to feel like I wasn't accepted or loved or liked for the person that I am. I got a flood of memories that I thought were like stowed away in the recesses of my brain. But nope, apparently they still hurt. And like I said in the intro of the podcast, you know, the intro is kind of, it's not just true, it's also a warning. I did warn you that I share way too many personal stories on this podcast. (laughs) And here I am delivering. But the truth is that I have struggled with the word enough for a while. With the concept of being enough that Mr. Rogers talks about. Being liked just as you are, you yourself, right? Just as you are right now. What we're born like, and if that changes, what we're like in the present moment, just as we are right now. I struggled with it. And I was at a conference in a new city, far from home, a few years ago. All alone, I sat in the front row, tears streaming down my face as I watched and listened to a very profound talk. And overwhelmed with emotion and relief at being told that you're enough. You are enough. That's relieving, right? And I asked myself, like, I don't need to do anything? Like, I'm already enough? And it was, like I said, relieving. My heart felt like it could finally rest. Like there was nothing more to keep searching for and striving for. And that while it can be very restful... It's also, 
I wonder if it's true, right? And since I went to that, you know, conference and I realized first time like that enoughness, right, of just being enough and then watching this documentary and, you know, again, being reminded of being liked just as the way I am. Over those years, I've gotten restless still. And I love the enoughness and being accepted as I am. But there's another side of me that wants to keep improving. And for a long time, I've wrestled with both. There's a book that I love that's called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And in it, he shares that, you know, it seems to be, at least, from what I understood of the book, that there's only one area in which we must all really strive to improve. There is one thing that we should improve on, and that is tapping into our source of being enough. <laughs> so what we need to improve is how much we feel like we're already enough, which is weird. How do you do that? You know, and while it saddens me sometimes that I felt for so long that I wasn't yet complete, that I was faulty in some way, I'm glad I realized how wrong I was, right? And that I'm constantly being reminded, even though this documentary at 32 years old had me in tears about it. We always need to refresh and reconnect to that, right? But it also saddens me to think that there might be other discoveries that I've yet to make. New realizations that could make me my life even more peaceful, more beautiful, more incredible. So now I live kind of in a constant tug of war between loving myself as I am right now and wanting to unlock like new depths that I have yet to uncover. So I struggle with the dichotomy of enoughness and self-improvement. If I want to keep improving myself, does that necessarily mean that I'm not enough? Sometimes, and as silly as it sounds, I can imagine them like in opposing corners of a boxing ring, right? Waiting for the bell to ring. And there's like self-improvement on one side, like jumping up and down, stretching its arms and pumping its legs and ready for a fight. And then in the other corner, there's like enough, which is just very zen, standing relaxed and composed, ready to receive what's to come. Kind of imagine like a Bruce Lee, fierce, but dealing with things exactly as they come. Completely defensive, not offensive, right? I think I'd rather be Bruce Lee than like the overeager marathon runner in the other corner, right? The attacker, let's say. But can I believe both of them? Can they both be true? You know, if they go up against each other, which would win? And how much is really enough? How do we know if we truly are enough just as we are? Are we really enough? And, and I think to myself sometimes, does being enough just as we are mean do we get to relax and stop trying for anything? If we're enough just as we are and we're loved and liked just as we are, like Mr. Rogers says... Does that mean we get lazy? And there's a quote I love that helps resolve this. And it's something that Sister Joan Chittister, a Benedictine nun, shared. She says, The contemplative life is not spiritual escapism. And while we're not talking about contemplation, and we're not talking about the spirit, right? <laughs> the reason I love this quote as it relates to being enough is that, you know, she says, The contemplative life the life of thinking and feeling and being inside your own head, let's say the, the life of seeking is not spiritual escapism. 
It's not an excuse to escape, right? The life of seeking doesn't give you the excuse to check out and to not keep trying and to not keep doing anything. Now her quote continues. And so must we do whatever justice must be done in our time if we're going to claim to be serious about really sinking into the heart of God. So here she says, we must keep doing whatever must be done in our time if we're going to be serious about really, really trying for God and being one with God and believing, right? Now, when I think about my kids, you know, I know in my heart of hearts that I don't need them to do anything to earn my love or to increase my love. That would be impossible. That, you know, they're perfect just as they are. There's nothing that they could do or say or accomplish that would make me love them more. You know, I've said it on past podcast episodes, how my children could grow up to be all kinds of horrible things. Like think of the worst things your mind could imagine, but I won't say. (laughs) And I would still love them. Maybe I wouldn't condone their actions or be proud of their actions if they're absolutely terrible. But I will still love them unconditionally until the end of time itself. And I think to myself, if that's how God loves us, then maybe we are enough. Now, there's this quote that's from Peter Pan. And it says, if you knew how great is a mother's love, you would have no fear. And that's true when I think about my kids. I feel like telling them, if you knew how much I love you, if you knew that I would take care of you because I love you so much, you would have no fear. If I tell you that I'm right here, that I'm not going to let go of you in the swimming pool, if you knew how much I love you, you know that that's true and you would trust me. You wouldn't be afraid, right? What if we, that's how God sees us and if we change that quote to, if you knew how great God's love is for you, you would have no fear. Because if God loves us unconditionally, as I love my children, as your parents love you, is there anything really to improve? Well, I've come to some kind of conclusion about this. And I know that you're here because you're a believer, right? In some way, some form, I don't know what religion you are, and I don't care. But you believe in something, right? And that's why you're here, because you wouldn't be listening to my ramblings <laughs> for 26 episodes if you didn't. So I'm going to use that as an assumption, that you're with me on that. So my answer is this. This is my personal conclusion about this topic of being enough. You know, Eckhart Tolle might say that you need to improve on being enough, right? That's his conclusion. My conclusion is the following. Yes. There are always areas that we can improve, you know, learning new things, becoming more patient, how to be a better listener, how to be a better communicator, how to master the long jump, if that's your thing, practicing that golf swing, J-Dog, you know, whatever it is that strikes your fancy, there are things always that you can improve on. But all the things that we want to improve, they have to be for the right reason, And what I mean by that is this, you are created by God, right? If you believe, you believe. You are created by God with a set of gifts and God loves you just the way you are. There's nothing that you can do to increase 
God's love for you, right? Just like my kids can't do anything to increase how much I love them. And I'm a human. So imagine how much, how much better God is at that, right? So you were created by God with a set of gifts. And I do believe that it's God's will for us to improve our use of these gifts that he gave us for his glory. I don't think that God is interested in us improving, you know, the way that Mr. Fred Rogers said, the way you do your hair or to improve the toys you have, the things that are beside you, you know, material goods, the things that hide you, the masks that you put on to hide your true self. I don't think those are the things that we're supposed to improve. The way we look, right? All that stuff. But I do think that we are meant to improve and using the gifts that God gave us for his glory. Now, let me explain, because to be honest with you, we're 20 minutes in and I have 10 minutes before I have to leave for my kids' farmer's market at their school. <laughs> so I want to go buy vegetables and fruits from them and it's going to be a great experience. So I got to go, but I'll give you an example from my own life. I have mentioned on this podcast before that I don't know why God gave me these random gifts. I have an eye for all things like art direction or graphic design, even though I'm not a graphic designer by trade. You know, there is a way that I connect to people that they always want to tell me their deepest, darkest, and I won't say secrets, but emotions and feelings. And I have a desire to help them in some way. I think in another life, maybe I could have been a therapist. I don't know. Um, that's a gift that he gave me. I don't know why. I'm not perfect at it, at all these things. All these things that I'm about to mention, I'm not perfect at them, but the, he gave me these gifts, right? He gave me the gift of some kind of technological knowledge and aptitude. You know, like I've mentioned here, I can throw up a Squarespace site in a day and it looks really nice and like you paid a lot of people to make it, but I did it for free, right? Or, you know, the 20 bucks a month that it costs to use Squarespace. I know some about marketing, enough that some people have once called me director of marketing for a nonprofit. I don't know why I know these things, but I know them and there are concepts that are etched into my brain. I know how to do email marketing. I know all these random things, maybe a little bit of each thing. I've been known to say that like I have a notion of random things. Now I know how to podcast and I can edit audio on GarageBand and not sound too bad. Forgive me for the random bird in the background, but I live in Nicaragua. And also forgive me for the random child in the background, but I try to record when they're not here. Um, I have these random gifts. And I do believe that I am supposed to, that it is God's will for me to improve in using them for his glory. Not for my glory, but for his glory. And I'll tell you honestly, if you would erase my name, from the Kin podcast and just have the Kin podcast and for it to be anonymous, it is exactly the same to me. I could care less if anybody knows it's me or doesn't. If I never meet you all, that would be sad because I like connecting with people who have like-minded ideas and kindred spirits per se. That's where the name Kin came from. My idea of kindred spirits, right? Connecting on these topics. But I don't need anybody to know it's me, right? That is the beauty in using God's gifts for his glory, right? 
It doesn't have to be talking about God all the time, right? You could be a kindergarten teacher and your gift is passing on loving, loving acceptance to children, right? Your gift could be, you could be a salesperson and your gift in, use, in talking to people and dealing with people and using it for his glory is to pass on love in that way. You know your gifts. You, yourself, in the words of Mr. Fred Rogers in his song that I, that I read to you earlier, you yourself have to figure out how to use those gifts for his glory and then improve on them. Improve those gifts for his glory, right? But to do that is to accept yourself as you are, as God made you. To do that is to reckon with what are the gifts that God gave me? Who am I? What am I like? Because, you know, Mr. Fred Rogers and his song and his beautiful song that he wrote, the message is, you know, I like you the way that you are. But if you break down that sentence, I like you. And then the way you are, you are. That's the point where I think a lot of people lack self-knowledge. need to go deep on what are you. You can't like yourself if you don't know yourself. Just like other people can't like you if they don't know you. So yes, this documentary absolutely made me cry. And it made me think a lot about self-acceptance and the acceptance of others. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Accepting other people for who they are, having compassion for them, and understanding them where they're at. Loving them just as they are. And that's tough sometimes. But remember the words of Fred Rogers. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you. Not your toys. They're just beside you. But it's you I like. Every part of you. Your skin and your eyes and your feelings. Whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember even when you're feeling blue, that it's you I like. It's you yourself. It's you. It's you I like. Thank you for listening to episode 26 of the Kin Podcast. I know this one was kind of relaxed, but that's kind of how I feel about this topic. It makes me a little bit emotional, and I might be one second away from shedding a tear or two, so I think I'm going to go. <laughs> but I wanted to share this with you because it deeply, deeply moved me. And it's been something that's been on my mind since I watched it. And I'm so grateful to Mr. Fred Rogers for existing and for being so loving and fierce at the same time. What a way to live. What a way to live. Even if you don't get on TV, what a way to live and love others by being so fiercely loving, kind, but important at the same time. I think it's awesome. What a gift that he had and what a way that he used it. That's amazing. What a badass. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. I hope that if you enjoyed the episode, you'll send it to somebody that who might enjoy it as well. Somebody you know, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, maybe a colleague. If you think this might resonate with somebody, the best way that you can support the show is by sending it to somebody else and saying, hey, check it out. Check it out. If you can't think of anybody for this episode, maybe a past one, maybe a future one. But that's the best way that you can support the podcast. 
I'm grateful for you, for your time. If you've made it these 27 minutes, <laughs> I'm grateful for you. And I'm sending you lots of love and light from my room in Managua. And if you want to watch the documentary, and I really recommend that you do, really, really do, I'll link it in the show notes. So check out kinpodcast.com slash 26. And there I'll have a link to the documentary or just Google it as well. Won't you be my neighbor? Put that into your search engine and it'll come up. It's amazing and it is so worth your time. I hope I did it justice on this podcast episode. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. I'll be back next week. This is Marcela, your host, signing out.